Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. I feel like Martin Short from Three Amigos. Nobody will remember this other than maybe two of my friends from high school. But he wakes up in the morning and goes, what is she talking about? Because I have that morning voice going on right now. So having a frog in your throat, the only thing it can make three you amigos. think of is Three Amigos in That's one right. minute of Martin Short's It is character. a sweater. We should do three amigos for um, pop culturing. Speaking of pop culturing, uh, this one no a Next, week, a week yeah. from this Wednesday, almost famous. Yeah, we already recorded it. We did yesterday. Now she's in me, always that was a fun one, right? Most iconic scene. Most iconic um, scene. Yes, I was just thinking though as I came down here because we recorded it last night. I usually like to get like we usually. Go deep. deeper into self-awareness. It was more just like a fun rewatch. Yeah, it was more just about the movie and about a lot of like yeah. history of the movie. It's a great, it's a great scene. Love that scene. I know. Um, a few quick things, not quick takes, but quick things. We have, uh, I have a tribe men's group meeting this Wednesday. We have an amazing Zen parenting conference coming up. A week from this Friday. Gosh, stop it. This very Friday. Stop it. So for anybody who hasn't yet, first of all, anybody who's coming, we're so excited. This is going to be off the hook. Yeah, and you're going to start getting your emails with all of the uh, information. information and directions this week. If you're thinking about it, but you can't pull the trigger because of money or schedule, email us. And if you want like just a one-day ticket instead mm-hmm. of both days, mm-hmm. uh, just email Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. And we have, if you can pay for part of it, we have partial yeah. scholarship and we have full scholarship for certain people. Yeah. And we just, if you want to come, you can be there. Yeah, like, we'll this, figure there, it out. This is not a prohibitive thing. We're not trying to like make it difficult. We're trying to make it easy. So, um, so yeah. Um, in case you're like, what's a Zen Parenting Conference? For this year, we're talking about raising healthy young men, raising empowered young women. Um, keep going. Uh, helping, this is really more for parents, helping parents understand gender identity. Mm-hmm. I think that, because we, we have a panel about transgender and non-binary identity, and I think our children have completely surpassed us on understanding gender identity. They teach us. They teach us and sex education. That's also for parents because I think it's the parents I know who need it's the, the parents who need the education about how to talk about it and how to work through their own issues or possible shame. And then Duffy is John Duffy, our friend. We just call him Duffy. He's just a one word now. He's like Madonna. JD. Um, he's going to be talking about anxiety. So um, And more surprises. And yes. So we have plenty. Um, you will walk away from the weekend full of information and empowered to be your best self as a parent. So Kathy, we have a family group text uh, called the fam. The fam. Yeah. And Kathy um, posted something to our group text from Liz Gilbert. I did. And it was last week. And it says 10 actual things that love has said to me when I was alone and afraid. Um, and there's 10 of them. And I said, maybe we should just talk about this today. And you're like, sweet, let's do that. <laughs> and then you also just said, before I press record, I could talk about each one of these for two hours. So I might hit that. <laughs> so I might move you along. That's fine. And, and I was exaggerating, but, um, I, so as Todd said, we have this group text just 
for our family, which is nice because then we can just easily relay information to each other. Because Skylar is 12 and she just got her phone this year. So now we're all online. Kind of nice. It is. It, for those of you who are like, technology is horrible. For, as a family unit, it's really nice to all be yeah, on the same page. Yeah, think about that. It is. That's the, that's the benefit of it. I know that there's challenges, but there is a benefit. Um, and... Why I want if so first of all I posted this on Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. That's because right. it was about love. Yeah. And I also um really appreciated this because as someone who has followed Elizabeth Gilbert for the vast majority of her career, I have watched her talk about each of these in different phase of phases of her life. So when I read it, um I remember mm. her going deep about okay. each of these. You yep. know what I mean? And then she just kind of brought it all together. Yeah. Um, so we'll just go through them. And you just, as you said, move me along. So For again, those of you who don't know who Liz Gilbert is, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which they, Julia Roberts, acted in. Yes. And The Signature of All Things and City of Girls. And she is just, uh, you know... A, I think of her as more of a spiritual teacher. Big, sure. big magic, I still amazing, listen to. Amazing author. Amazing author. She's such a beautiful writer. So, 10 actual things that love has said to me when I was alone and afraid. And how many of us like have those days where you think, I, you know, I say this to Todd a lot. Sometimes even when I'm surrounded by people, I feel alone. Mm. Like sometimes when Todd and I are going through... Uh, and I shouldn't say Todd and I, sometimes when something's happening with parenting or even with our own work, I forget that Todd's with me. Yeah. Like I really feel alone in my challenge. And, and there are times when I make you feel alone because of traveling or because I'm here but not present. So I'm not trying to beat myself up, but there's reasons why sometimes you feel that way. Yes, there are literal, meaning like you said, you're gone, or there are times when you are distracted and I feel like I'm really the only one paying attention. And there are people listening to this podcast who really are doing it alone. Yeah. They really single are. Single moms, single dads. Forget yep, it. I don't, I don't know how you do it. They're waking up and saying, I really do have to tackle this on my own. Yet, you can always reach out for help. Yeah. So that's kind of the point of when we feel alone, sometimes that's the time to really say, I'm afraid I need somebody, even if it's just someone to talk to briefly. So, but anyway, 10 things that love has said to me when I was alone and afraid. Number one, what's that, my baby? You feel like you're failing at life, but may I ask by whose rules and by what deadline? Mm. So when I hear that, it's like, give yourself a break. That's what I, that's what I interpret that as. And I interpret it as, are you really failing or are you trying to meet a standard that was set for you when you were a child yeah. and you still haven't dismantled that belief system that you have to be this to be worthy. Yeah. And the word failing for me, like, you know, I've said to groups of parents, embrace failure. Like, because if you embrace failure yeah. and learn from it, it's not a failure. It's not failing. It simply is not a failure. It loses all of its power. Yeah. It's a learning experience, which sucks. Like when, you know, your kid gets sick and you got to go to a work meeting and it doesn't happen and you had a crappy day because of the circumstances. Yeah, that sucks, but well, at the same time, maybe that is an opportunity for you to slow down a little bit. Or or maybe you actually, actually asked for help, which you needed to do. Mm. It forced you into that position. Because you don't ever want to ask for help because you're a mom who could do everything all the time. Or maybe it gave your child permission to rise up in some way that they wouldn't have been able to rise up if you were constantly doing things right. for them. And we don't. And here's the thing. You don't want to create these scenarios. You don't want to inauthentic inauthentically say, I'm going to challenge myself or everybody around me just to see what I'm made of. 
life will do that for you. You, I really don't think we need to be self-sabotaging mm. to prove ourselves. Yeah. I really think that we just, if we have an everyday life experience, things will come up that will allow us to demonstrate new skills, resolve, you know, uh, creative out of the box thinking. For sure. So, and then by what deadline, where are you guys going? What, why are you in such a hurry? And I'm talking to myself and Todd too, but what deadline, like what, you know, I'm supposed to have this done by this time or I, you know, I thought by this year I would, ha this would have happened by now. Like wh where'd you come up with that? Yeah. Well, you put, you have self-imposed and real deadlines on things. And then like, let's say something bad happens, like a family member gets sick and then all that goes out the window. Yeah. Life does march on. It does. Sometimes those days are interesting to me where like actually that kind of happened on Saturday a little bit, like where I had like a big plan of, I need to get this done. Oh, I yeah, need to get right. this done. And then you don't get any of it done, but everything's okay. <laughs> like it may maybe possibly better. Yeah, it's always going to be okay. And I know that's it can land so poorly because sometimes people are in pain yeah. and suffering. But yeah. you know, it's it's going to be okay. It is. It is. And sometimes okay doesn't mean it's going good. to okay work doesn't out. mean good, right? But sometimes even when it doesn't work out, the thing I always think about when we have conversations like this is how. When I cry or I'm scared or I share a lot, at the end of it, I end up laughing because it's a really Buddha thing. It's a Buddhist thing almost. And I'm not saying I'm doing it as a Buddhist. I'm saying the Buddha laughs, you know? And sometimes I think that we, when we, after we have a lot of pain and we express it, we realize how how we've made up so much in our mind. Well, and I think when that happens, like you always go to wakes and funerals and people are crying and you also see people laughing really loud. I know. That grief, when it gets expressed, creates other space for other things to show up. Other emotions come in and you realize how it's all interconnected. Yeah. So see, number one's yeah. pretty deep. Yeah. Um, number two, So number we? two, yeah. Go ahead. Please stop looking for proof that you are wrong and bad. Don't be in such a hurry to disown yourself. And please, for the love of God, stop trying to transform. That's my favorite. Just sit here with me for a minute and let me love you exactly as you are. And maybe get yourself a big glass of water. That usually helps. Mm. It's funny. The big glass of water makes me think of whenever me or our daughters struggle for the day and like they have a headache. The first thing I do is say either if you can go sit outside of a sure. nice out, like breathe fresh air and drink water, like go back to the basics, go back to the basics. And here's the thing. Like a lot of times I think the girls, when we say have a big glass of water, they're like, but that won't take it away. That won't take it away. It, it may or may not, but it will soothe your body. Yeah. It will give it some resources that it needs to even manage the pain. Like not everything is about black and white. It's either here or there there. Sometimes it's, what can I do to support myself and to get grounded? Mm. And so my favorite part about this one, about, you know, stop looking for proof that you're wrong or bad. Um, and stop trying to transform. That's I, the one I want to focus on. I know. Well, what is your thought about that? Well, did I read this, how to open your heart little piece? I don't know if I did it on a tribe thing or as in parenting thing. I don't know. So I, I am somebody who tells it, who makes up a story that my heart is too closed off. Yeah, okay? which is so weird. Because I feel like I don't have body awareness and I can't feel the the, the really deep low points and I can't feel the really deep high points. Which, so, but you have a sore throat. I know. So you're funny. I don't funny. connect the dots. You don't connect the dots, no. So um, 
on my 1440 weekend, uh, a guy sent me this thing and it's called how to open your heart. Cause oh. I feel like I want to open my heart and I'm trying to transform. Right. I'm trying to open my heart. And it says, do not try to open your heart. That would be a subtle movement of aggression towards your yes. immediate embodied experience. Never tell a closed heart it must be more open, which is, by the way, what I do all the time. Like, just open up. It will shut more tightly to protect itself. Of course. Feeling your resistance and disapproval. A heart unfurls only when conditions are right. Your demand for openness invites closure. Yes. This is the supreme intelligence of the heart. Instead, bow to the heart in its current state. Exactly. If it's closed, let it be closed. Sanctify the closure. Make yes. it safe. Safe to even feel unsafe. Now, what's weird about that is bow to the heart for me. And there's a few more things. But what that means for me is if I bow to the heart in its current state, which is closed. And let's just say for a second that I'm right, that my heart is closed. And I know in my deep knowing it's uh -uh. not. It's, it's been like this since I was a little kid. Right. So it's hard for me to bow to something that I've been struggling with my whole life. But the weird thing is the more that I can accept it and bow to it, it will open up. So this is how it closes. Trust that when the heart is ready and not a moment before, it will open like a flower in the warmth of a sun. There is no rush for the heart. Trust the opening and the closing too, the expansion and the contraction. Yes. This is the heart's way of breathing. Safe, unsafe. Safe, yes. unsafe. The beautiful fragility of being human and all held in the most perfect love. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah, you have an assumption that closed means bad. Of course I do. My ego is like you're broken you're wounded Aww. you're you gotta be, be fixed you gotta have unbridled joy you have to all have to have to have to that's what liz gilbert's saying like stop looking for proof right just let it be and then you know like as you're reading that all these pictures come into my head you know uh a caterpillar in its cocoon is not closed in a negative way right it's actually doing the most Getting honorable ready. thing ever and you know, like a baby, like one of the things they say when a baby is born, you do not open mm, its hand. Why? You Because that's its world. Yeah. And you don't, you let it open on its own. Oh. You don't force it open. You can put your finger in there mm -hmm. and it can grab it, yeah. but don't be like you need, or the way we force children to hug us mm -hmm. or to, we force ourselves on them, yeah. you know, or we force our words on them. Like you allow things to un- you, and the thing is, is what you will notice, and this is, I'm taking this really deep, is that when you start to bow to it or to allow it, it, part of it was it possibly was always open in the first place. Yeah. You just didn't recognize it as right. open. And the other part is you allow it to feel safe enough to, and again, it's hard to even talk about this because I the assumption that a heart is ever literally closed is not true. It's just... If you're breathing, you have a heart that... Exactly. ...that has the potential to be open. But is it in protection mode? Yeah. Is it like kind of got a force field around it where it's like, I'm not going it's to let anything it's protecting hurt protecting itself. Exactly. Because it's got its ass kicked at one point exactly. when I was younger. So it doesn't want to feel that anymore. Exactly. And so it's very smart. Yeah. It's that I have a force field that I'm going to put up here to protect us. Mm -hmm. And you should honor that. Mm -hmm. So, and also just, you know realizing that when we talk about, you know, I've been a self-help person since my early 20s, you maybe, have? even my teenage years. So I've gone to a lot of um, 
There's oh, a fly. There's in. a fly in here. It's February in Chicago f- in a basement in Ew. Elmhurst, and somehow a fly showed up. Where would he come from? Nature is incredible. How did that happen? You know what? We had the window open last night. Yeah, but there's a screen on it. I know, but there's a hole in the screen. No, there's not. Yes, it's there a, is. Really? Yeah, there. I saw it. Oh, it's a new screen. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, maybe it looked like a hole, but it wasn't. Um, anyway, going back to the self-help thing, I've been to a lot of like workshops and classes and book readings and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's some people, there's some frequent flyers who really are just coming in to constantly say, I need to transform, I need to transform. And I'm putting myself in that category, not, not as of late, but, you know, in certain times of my life. And there's, they're missing the whole boat, Mm -hmm. which is this whole, the whole point is, can you listen to this and be an appreciation rather than you will not fully be human until you do A, B, and C because you already are perfect as you are. Yeah. You know, and that, that statement is so cliche. It's too cliche. It is. I don't like it. And how do we say that? I don't know. Accept the isness of the situation, accept whatever's showing up in this moment. You're fine. Yeah. That doesn't work. No, that doesn't land. Um, you, what would, you're fine. What could I hear that I would appreciate? How many times have we said that to our kids when they skid their knee? Oh, you're fine. Like we don't, (laughs) But that's like a passage, that's a chapter in my childhood. I know. You hurt yourself and some grown-up says, you're fine. Dude, if I was fine, I wouldn't be crying and bleeding right now. Rub some dirt on it. Rub some dirt on it. Um, how about, I hear you. Because that's, then what that is, is that's fine with me. Yeah. Or And maybe we can, and again, this has been a practice of mine lately, um, is just that. Like telling myself, I hear you. Um I have this new book called uh, Good Morning, I Love You by Shauna Shapiro. Oh, yeah. You like that one. I do. And, you know, I read a lot of books and some of them kind of come and go. Some of them, and this is, I think will be a shock to Todd's senses, even though he knows it, is I'll get like three-fourths of the way through it and then stop. Because I'm like, never be able to do that. I know. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I feel like I got it. Yeah. And I don't mean I got it memorized. It's just I don't want any more of this. Yeah. But there's some books I love so much that I read them super slow. And I'll like read a chapter and put it away because I'm like, I like this so much. I don't want it to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Shauna Shapiro's book, Good Morning, I Love You, is one of those books. And the and I'm appreciating her simplicity. Um of that you don't have to like go to bed and make a big gratitude list and it wake up in the morning. You just say to yourself, good morning, Kathy, mm. with your hand over your heart. Mm. And that's it, Todd. Yeah. That's it. Simple. And there's something very enjoyable about it. It's not life altering. It's yeah. not, it's just good morning, Kathy. And the first person I talk to in the morning is me before I look at my email, before I have people in and, you know, inundate me with their issues Good morning. Yeah. So anyway. Um, speaking of gratitude, can I have gratitude for a few of our conference partners? Oh, please. Spiritual Playdate, the Playdate with a Purpose. Spiritual Playdate gives you the tools and resources to have fun and heartfelt discovery sessions with kids. You'll explore life's big social, emotional, and spiritual topics, such as forgiveness, love, world religion, the golden rule, and dozens more. Life skills for kids and their grown-ups. So go to spiritualplaydate.com. And the other is our friend over It's really at, cool. Yeah, it is actually. Just check out the website. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bill at FAMZU, he's been a partner of ours since we started having conferences. Uh, FAMZU, what they do is they have prepaid cards and a family finance app for kids, teens, and parents. So go check them out. So like prepaid card meaning like a visa. Like a debit, yeah. Yeah, like a debit card. Yeah. So anyways. We, all right. We use it too. We've used it how long? 
um, years. How long have you been I'm using a FAMZU? Big fan of uh, Bill and everybody over at FAMZU. Makes it easy to transfer money to our children. Number three. Okay. You don't need to show compassion or patience to the world right now. Oh, I love this one. Why would I force that on you when you don't actually feel it? You don't even need to be grateful right now. I love you so much. I will never ask you to do anything you can't do. Just sit here with me and know you are loved and let that be all we do right now. So just for clarification, this is basically a love letter from love to Liz to all of ourselves. Us. Yes. So I just wanted to make that clear. Like you don't need to. And then what does love mean? Like, let's go deep on that. Is it for some people that may be God, mm -hmm. you know, like it's like Neil Donald Walsh's conversations with God. Like he feels like when he writes that God is talking to him, it could be universe. Yeah. It could be an angel, which is a messenger from God. It could just be the energy of love. It could be our spirit. It could be our soul. It could be you know, someone who has passed over, who is talking to us, mm. it could be animal mm. energy. It doesn't matter, you right. guys. It's this sense of knowing that we have where we have a deeper sense of awareness about what's most important. That's what love is. Like love has been made to be this romantic notion. And I like that because I love you and I love romance and I sure. love that. It's one version of love. It's, but it's a version. It's like a sliver of it. Yeah. Like love is like the big picture. Like, you know, something that I've always taught the girls when talking about death and life is they come from love. And I don't mean you, just you and I and mm. our love. I mean, like where you started was yeah. just love. Yeah. You know, like an ocean of love. And then you're a wave who like came in. And then when we're not here anymore, we go back out like... It's just we come from a good place, which is why it's so easy for me to say to people, we're born good. Mm -hmm. Of course we are. Like, of course we are. And can things happen? You know, nurture. Um, can things happen even with trauma or with something that goes wrong in the body? Of course. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not denying reality. It's just where did we begin? Yeah. And so basically what this one is saying that I really appreciate is you don't need to show compassion or patience to the world right now. Sometimes I can't do it. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to feel this way and not feel bad for not being the positive, optimistic, always seeing the bright side of things. And I'm also not dumping on things. I'm just not trying so hard to be in constant chronic joy. You know what this reminds me of? Um, there's a man that was at my retreat and I, he listens to the podcast. I won't say his name but he was really sad and struggling because of what we do to our environment. Mm, yes. And I don't know how these dots connect, but I, you know, I started trying to talk him out of it and like, you know, there's good things in technology and the new generation and all that. And I just feel like, um, that there just needs to be an acceptance of where you are in this moment. And, uh, and no compassion is necessary it for the world right now just mm -hmm. sit in this or can sitting in it be your compassion for yeah, the world right can you not be so in fix it mode or in worry mode because yeah. worry pretends to be necessary but it's not really doing anything yeah. as Eckhart says and you know it's it's interesting I after the the Academy Awards were a couple weeks ago and you know, Joaquin Phoenix gave a speech after winning for Joker and it was about the environment. Mm. And a lot of people kind of made fun of him of a little bit um, because it was really, I think some people appreciated every word, but he really did talk about some things specifically like cows and, yeah. you know, milk and the earth. And Something how, that we we all put 
we all use milk and we'll, right. not all, most of us use yeah. milk. So it made us feel uncomfortable. It did. And he said, we pillage the earth for its resources. And you know, it's easier to make fun of him than to recognize how we do that. Mm-hmm. And, and can we just recognize it and see what, where that takes us? Yeah. Like sometimes just accepting the truth it in, we don't have to constantly be active right. in, in action mode because accepting the truth can maybe make a shift in itself yeah. in how we respond to it. It's, um, I think what she's trying to say is you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to demonstrate your worth as a human being. Right. That you just sitting here with confusion and with uncertainty, you're still enough. And I still love you. Um, you remember how we were laying, waking up yesterday morning and I was singing that Doris song about how Jim wrote this song called When the Music's Over and it's about the environment? Yeah. I found this. I found the part. Oh, okay. Go ahead. This is Jim Morrison, the Doors from When the Music's Over. What have they done to the earth? What have they done to our fair sister? Ravaged and plundered and ripped her and bit her Stuck her with knives in the side of the dawn And tied her with fences and dragged her down Jim. Yeah. Because when you were singing the words, I was like, what's he talking about? And you said the earth. Yeah. It's like an environmental plea. Wow. And then, you know, it's a long song. It's as a Doors song is, it's 11 minutes long. But anyways, I don't know how I want. I didn't know Jim was going to show up on the podcast today, but here you are. Jim lives inside you, Teddy. Oh, my God, he does. And I don't think he and I would be friends, but I've spent a lot of time listening to his music and reading books about him. I think you would be friends. Really? I think you would accept him for who he is. Maybe now. But when I was in my 20s, I'm like, he was just he was not. A man of integrity no. whatsoever. Well, and I think you would come home, and if you guys were friends and you went out, you would come home and be like, oh, my God, Jim. And you would tell yeah, me like all Jim, about how annoying come he on, is. Come on, get it together, get man. It together. But I think you would learn a lot from him because he is a very, um, he feels the pain of the world. Well, and once again, his dad, who I'm sure is past now, messed him up. Big time. Totally messed him up. He was a, he was a Navy general and I'm sure he said my way, the highway and he did tough love and, and he had a creative, he had a son, son that did not, not fit right, the in mold. at all. Exactly. He did not fit his dad's mold of what a man should be. Damn right. And he ended up singing about the pain of not being accepted by the world. And then he unfortunately killed himself. Not I, did he intend to, or was that just a drug? Overdose? Um, I think he did. His body was Ravaged. coasting on fumes oh, and then he just overdid it one night i think with alcohol i don't think it was anything heavy oh it was alcohol yeah so what about the cat in the top hat he, di- again. he died in a he died in a bathtub he did gym. and now he's buried in france and people do graffiti on his tombstone yeah i don't quite understand the deal with that I, it's funny i'm not a big cemetery guy i wouldn't feel i don't feel any closer to my mom going to her no. gravestone i you know i'd rather sit on a bench that we used to sit on together like her ashes it's not her well my dad is in that's kind of cool what your dad did was pretty cool yeah my dad is in boca grande florida which is where we used to go and we still go with my family and so he's there in the water and decalb and galena 
and um, all of his places. Yeah. I like the water part the best. Yeah. Because we are in that water every every Christmas. And so my sister and I did that. Mm-hmm. We were able to do that together. And we, um, and my mom was there, of course, and my aunt, but my sister and I went in the water. And the um, I have a picture now in our house, but we haven't put it up yet, but it's of, it's someone took a photograph of South Beach at Boca Grande and it's just the water. And I'm like, that's my dad. Mm -hmm. Like he's in there. That's like, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's like my, you know, it's such an interesting picture. Um, So anyway, do you want to go to the next one? Do you find something? I found something. Okay. I don't know if it's appropriate, but. Uh Uh-oh. Death is a very uncomfortable thing. Yeah. And there's a time when me, my brother, my sister, my dad went to go visit my my mom's grave. Oh yes. And my dad tried his best to be the patriarch, you know, to to lead because we were the children and he tried to do like some ashes type of ashes. speech. So it reminded me of this scene from National Lampoon's Vacation where Clark Griswold is talking about Aunt Edna, who's wrapped up in a trash bag. And she had been on the top of their car. And they leave it on a porch. So here we go. Mom? Clark, we have to at least say something. Okay, bow your heads, bow your heads. Oh, God. Ease our suffering in this our moment of great despair. Yea, admit this good and decent woman into thine arms and the flock in thine heavenly area up there. And Moab, he laid its down bind at the band of the Canaanites. <laughs> and yea, Though the Hindus speak of karma, Clark, I implore you, give her, give her a break. Give her a break. Clark. Barukata, Alleluia. That's Chevy at his best. Well, first of all, the reason I love that is my dad loved that scene. So, like, that is like a great. It's all all dads are just trying. Dads are big kids trying their best to be responsible, and it goes sideways most of the time. Although the Hindus speak of karma, (laughs) give her a break. (laughs) Um, so and that it, and again grief when you have a good cry it becomes not humor you're not making fun of something <laughs> it's not about there's different ways to have humor there's humor in to avoid pain and then there's humor to feel pain mm-hmm. to allow yourself to express like sure. sometimes we have humor to make someone feel bad yeah. and to make ourselves feel more powerful and then what you and I, like I was explaining to someone, I was writing something about how you and I use humor. Gosh, where was this? Regardless, they, she said, so you make fun of each other. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh no, like we don't, yes, but not, we don't use it to hurt each other. We use it as a vehicle to open up. Correct. To connect. To speak to each other honestly. But I would never make fun of you for something that was, um, vulnerable. Yeah. I would never be like, I would never use it as a weapon. Well, and I learned that because I used to do that to you early yes, in our marriage. Very early, very early. It was another method of avoiding pain. Absolutely. Which was, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. Now at this right now, very moment, I'm like, bring on the discomfort because there's what's underneath some, it is love. Yeah. There's some gold on the other side to be had through the discomfort. Todd and I have had a deep weekend. Can you tell? We sure have. <laughs> We're like all in it right now. Um, so before we go to number four, uh-huh. um, Team Zen, real quick plug for Team Zen. We have uh, Zen Talk this week, Zen Talk number 76. Jeez. We just did Zen Talks number 75, and this is what we discussed. 
listeners asked us questions live and we talked about self-harm, kids who don't listen, and boundaries. So we have 75 of these. So if you guys are interested in getting on a live podcast or listening to any of the previous 75 that we've done, uh, it's just an easy way of doing it. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com. Well, if you go to our website, ZenParentingRadio.com, and you click on podcasts, we have three podcasts. We have this podcast, Zen Parenting Radio. We have Pop Culturing, which Todd and I adore. And um, we also have Zen Talks. And Zen Talks, you can be as... Zen Talks is, you know, Team Zen. You can be as interactive as you want to be, or you can just be a voyeur and listen to everybody else. It's like really an opportunity to... Um, and you actually, you're not a voyeur because you're not watching, you're listening. What yeah. is that called? Well, you could be a voyeur on Facebook though. We have a private yeah, Facebook page. We do have a private Facebook but, yeah. page. I don't know what, uh, an eavesdropper? An auditory, you can be an eavesdropper, an auditory um, learner. And then this podcast uh, is brought to you by our partner, care.com. Hey, uh, as the world's largest online destination for finding and managing family care, care.com helps millions of families find high quality care for their children aging loved ones, home, and pets. Care.com provides a platform for finding all kinds of family care services. Child care, nannies, sitters, after-school care. They have the largest selection of local caregivers. Easy ways to find, manage, and pay for care. Tools and information to guide families through the hiring process. Reviews, background checks. So find a caregiver who's right to fit your family. Looking for someone who speaks another language, plays an instrument, cooks healthy foods, is athletic. It's all there. So many caregivers right near our home when I put in my zip code. Care.com provided me with the tools to access background check options, read reviews, see qualifications and certifications when searching for a potential caregiver. I have a premium membership and you should get one too. To save 30% off a Care.com premium membership, visit Care.com slash Zen. Thank you, Care.com. So number four, you ready? Ready. Stop trying. This is very connected to the last one, which is stop trying to transform. Does that scare you? Do you still have trouble believing how loved you are, even when you're doing nothing, producing nothing, improving nothing, understanding nothing? Can you sit quietly with me for a moment and consider the possibilities? Mm. We are led to believe that we are what we do. And we really believe that we are nothing until we are you know, putting something into the world, creating something, making something. Sweetie, you're talking to a number three on the Enneagram. I know. Todd For those is of you who don't that. know what a number three on the Enneagram, which is a, which is a personality type, my, my value, I judge, is predicated upon how much output I have in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And how can he, he can demonstrate, maybe more so for himself than anybody else, how busy he is. And this is... Busy is a badge of honor. I think it is for everybody, but especially a three. Yes. I it mean, is, yes. Th- it doesn't matter if you're a one or a seven or an eight. Busy, don't you think in this society that we live in, yes. busy is a badge of honor? It's a status symbol, yes. as Brene Brown says. A status symbol meaning that we, if someone approaches us and says, how are you? We say busy and they say, oh, me too. And I totally say that. Do and you? I, it's because I am, but why? it's not interesting. Say something interesting. Well, and I think it's a conversation shutter offer. Like I say things like, uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, I'm sure I say busy too. I don't want to let myself off the hook here, but I don't think I do. I think the reason I don't do it that much is I do have people in my life who say it and it annoys me mm-hmm. because I feel like <laughs> that fly kind of likes this you. This fly is here to teach us something. Right I know. Now. It's very Just like, landed on my glasses. It always, it's a studio thing. It's like it likes the energy in here. And it came from poo. <laughs> it was born. I was born of poo. Are, do, are all flies born of poo? 
I think so. Or garbage? If there's any fly experts out there, let us know. Pretty he, sure. The one born of poo. <laughs> and not Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> he resides with us. He does. Poor thing. He's like, I didn't mean to be born from poo. I know. Look at him cleaning himself over there. <laughs> do, do you, do you we see, see his little front claws. His little front claws. He's like, I'm, he's like making a plan. Yes. He's like rubbing his hands together. He's like, I'm going to land on Todd's glasses yes. next. He's like, where am I going to go next? <laughs> where can I find more poo? Anyway. They, <laughs> born of poo. Okay. So, so try not. I so just thought of Yoda. The but busyness go ahead. thing yeah. is the, um, it, it, when we say that to people, let's watch that. Um, not because we're trying to transform, but as a self awareness thing, because it feels like, it feels not fun. Like it feels like somebody is trying to one up or trying to demonstrate When's their Lent? worth. When does Lent start? It starts soon, doesn't it? I don't it? know. I'm not Catholic or necessarily Christian, but I've decided that for those 40 days, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm busy. There you go. Just to see what happens so I could search for something else. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Why I think I like it is because it'll be interesting to see what you say. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to say because that's my crutch. Todd, that's how my, are you doing? I'm doing great. There you go. That's what I usually say. At the grocery store, I feel like, or when I'm like checking out, someone will say, how are you doing today? And I always say, I'm great. And they'll say, that's good. You know what I say? I say, I'm busy as ever. And I'm, I'm just trying to do the work-life balance thing. And some days I do it well. Sometimes, some days I don't. It's, that's what that's I say. That's a lot of information. I know. And it's not interesting. Be interesting. Well, or just be like, you can tell the truth about the overall of your life, which is it's great. You know what I mean? I'm not lying when I say well, it's great. even funny. Like some people don't even want to say that because they don't want to make the other person feel like they're being boastful about how great their life is. And what I have found, and, and people listening, you may feel differently. So I guess I should take this into consideration. But when I have said I'm great, the other person feels better. They're like, thank you. Let me flip it though. Okay. What if I see my friend in the grocery store and they say, how you doing, Todd? I'm really sad. Like... First of all, I got to know if I'm sad. And second of all, nobody says that. Well, and I don't know if there's time for that in the grocery store. I don't think I want people to do that. But if somebody's going to ask me how I am, you know what I would I, say? I want to answer authentically. I would say I'm hanging in there because that's mm. just as truthful. Yeah. Because even if I'm saying, the reason I'm saying that, I'm not saying we shouldn't share sadness, but share your deepest with people who have earned the right to hear it, not yeah. the checkout person. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know what I mean? I just don't want to have a, what if a sanitized version of my life mm -hmm. when I'm interacting with fellow human beings? And what you're saying is let's discern who we're sharing what with whom. Right. And can you find a honest word or an honest description where you don't feel like you're out of integrity? Like yeah, when I have a headache and I'm out, I'm hanging in there, I'm hanging in there yeah. because I'm, I'm not feeling great, but I'm also out. Sweetie, you know who else was always hanging in? My dad. He's back. He's in here somewhere. He's hanging in, the in. He's like, how you doing? I'm hanging in, um, which is a very good description. So you want to do number five? Sure. I haven't done any of these yet. And I haven't even read these. Okay, go to number five. <clears throat> Can you find the courage and curiosity to live one breath at a time? Can you breathe into this very moment right now? Because right now is the only place I will ever be able to find you. So meet me halfway, dear one, by taking the next breath. I adore that one. I know. That is love. Love is um, love is now. It's not who we're going to be in the next month or after Lent or um, when we turn a certain age or it's just right now. And 
there is the the present moment is so intense that we actually stay away from it. For sure, it's so intense. Most of intense. us do. Mo I usually do. I'm getting better at it, and I don't know if this relates to our conversation, but another thing that I've decided that I'm going to at least not do nearly as much is I would say to when my daughters are upset or you know they're just having a hard time, mm -hmm. I'd be like, take a breath, take a breath. I've now decided that I'm not going to say that to yes. them. And instead, I am going to take the breath. Right. And weirdly, I have found out that when I do that, more often than not, things chill out. Right. In, well, and here's like, they chill out because you chill out, which makes the whole thing chill out because everything is through your perception. Right. And if you're chiller... So you're saying... Maybe the environment is not as chill as I think Correct. it is, but the fact that I'm in my body chill out, chilled out, it, it changes my filter slightly. And maybe it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. Mm, my yeah. whole point is, is it's like chicken and the egg. Yeah. Like, were things crazy and then you took a breath and it calmed down? Or did you perceive things as crazy, you took a breath and then you saw things as they really are? Yeah. Like, because the situation you're talking about, because um, I was there when you- In the kitchen. Uh, in the kitchen. Yeah is there was, uh, one of my kids was sad and you took a breath and then there was, we had a conversation about if I take a breath, then maybe it'll help her be less sad. And then we got deeper and said, she doesn't need to be less sad. Let her Taking be. a breath allows that to be, this is going back to what Liz said. You don't have to be different. If I decide to breathe with the hope that something else changes, Correct. then I'm not fully conscious exactly. in that breath. Exactly. Yeah. You're not, and this is what I mean about the present moment is intense. We're yeah. trying to jump over it. And if you're a meditator, you know that the present moment can be overwhelming. Mm. It's so much sensory information at once that it's inspiring and enlightening, but also like, whoa, yeah. it's like getting a huge download of like everything you're experiencing well, at once. That's what happens when you're on drugs, on some hallucinogenic yes, drugs. For sure. Like our brain filters out most of the exactly. information on a day-to-day -day basis. But when we manipulate our brain chemistry through drugs, I, I don't, I heard this on podcasts. A lot of doors open. That, that, and you see everything, it's overwhelming. Overwhelming. So it's weird, like our brain, because if we did that all the time, I don't think any of us would get out of bed. Well, it's like, a, we have to have that filter. It's the same thing as your your heart, and I'm putting this in air quotes, being closed. Mm. So your heart was taking in so much information that it learned to put a good uh, protection around it to keep you safe as a child. And then that was to your benefit, mm. which it's sometimes our brain... Yep compartmentalizes trauma and does things so we can keep functioning yeah. and focuses on the past and the present. So it's all love. Yeah. But sometimes we have to say to ourselves, I don't need too that much. anymore. Right. It would be when I was seven, too it much. Needed it. Right. Now I'm 47. Bring it on. Bring it on. Right. Bring it on gently. Mm. Bring it on organically, not forced. Yeah. You you don't you're not looking at the universe saying, give it all to me. I am I am leaving myself open for my heart to be open. Correct. And to recognize, just like we were talking about taking the breath and realizing it always has been, that maybe it always has been. Hmm. And it's your mind that yeah. needs to catch up with your heart. Boom. I like that one. All right. Well, I think that... Fly. Sweetie, the fly is here to teach us He's something. He's made a plan. How do you know it's a he? Maybe it's a girl fly. It's a poop plan. Um, <laughs> poop plan. <laughs> So look, he's he landed on the thing that says, I can't keep quiet. Yeah. He's trying to tell us. He's talking to us mm. through the posters. Mm. He's going to land on Be a Force for Good next. Okay, so six. 
Uh, number six, it's your turn. You are not crazy or broken, sweetheart, but you do have a mind that requires constant, tender, affectionate stewardship. Mm. Good thing you have me. So one of the things that I did a presentation last week about self-awareness, self-compassion, and self-care, and one of probably the most important things I wanted to say over and over again in that presentation, and I will say it all to you again, is that we care for our bodies, we work out, we exercise, we care for our homes, we take care of our lawns, we take care of you know the, all these, our nutritional needs, but we forget that we have to take care of our mind, mm -hmm. that our mind is not something we just get to let run willy-nilly. We have to pay attention to the way it thinks and how it operates and what it requires. And it requires kindness and it requires less judgment and it requires some compassion and some quiet and some stillness. Mm. So it doesn't have to think so much. We have to treat our brain just like we would treat our heart. And, and, and again, I'm saying brain, but really I mean our mind. Mm. And in the Asian language, in Asian languages, mind and heart is synonymous. And basically there, it's the same thing. Mm. It's like your mind is your, is your heart or your soul or your sense of self. And we have to pay attention to that. And people say, well, how do I do that? Have some quiet occasionally, practice self-compassion, meditate, do some yoga where you can breathe and allow your mind to relax. Like it is a, it is a piece of us that we think just should be on its own. It's funny. Cause I was thinking like, you know, you talk about meditate and you know, if you pray, pray and don't Muslims pray if they're practicing the way they're supposed to six times a day. Yeah. Think about that. What a wonderful practice. I know. Six times a day, you know, you're going to be able to at least Put yourself in a position to get centered and get quiet. Right. We just watched the big sick this weekend yes. again. Oh, and so he, he had been telling his mom that he was praying and he would just go downstairs go and watch YouTube yeah. videos. He'd play games. Cause, and you know, there's a great scene where she says, you're not a Muslim. Mm. And he says, I don't know what I believe yet. Mm -hmm. Like he was still, and he says to his parents, why did you bring me to America if you didn't want me to acclimate to being American, mm -hmm. like he's like, you want me to remain to marry someone who's Pakistani and practice what we do in Pakistan. But I'm trying to balance both. That movie's really good. I got it right here. This is what, so, uh, Kamal, Kamal. Mm -hmm. is a Muslim from yep. Pakistan mm -hmm. or his family is his family. He's, he's figuring right. it out. And, uh, they live in the United States now. Yeah. And he ha he's having this confessional moment with his parents. I haven't prayed in years. I just go down there and I play video games. You don't believe in Allah? I don't know what I believe, Dad. I don't know. And I can't marry someone you find for me. And why not? Because I am in love with someone. I am. Her name is Emily, and she's going to be a therapist. And right now, she's very sick. But I couldn't tell you that. It makes me so sad that I couldn't tell you any of that. So Ooh, just, Such a great scene. It's a great movie because it's hilarious. Yes. And it's deep, 
and it's drama filled. Yeah. It's, it's just, I and it's can't. real. <clears throat> like there's some scenes in that where, and I know they worked really hard, Kamel and his wife, Emily, who it's a true story on that screenplay. And they worked with Judd Apatow on that screenplay, <sighs> Apatow. And they, it, it's so well done, but there are certain scenes that are so real. And I've watched it now, I don't know, five, six times. It's becoming one of those like easy go-to movies. For sure. Um, it's comfortable. But, uh, but anyway, I don't know how bit, we got to him. A little bit He's different. all like ripped now. Yeah, he is. Because he's going to be in a Marvel movie. Is he? Yeah. yeah. He's a badass. He's like, oh. Um, a little bit different than Downhill, which is a movie that Kathy yeah, and I saw yesterday surprising. with Will Ferrell and Julie uh, Louise Dreyfus. Julia Louis Dreyfus. You just Louis. say Louis. Really? Mm-hmm. It's French. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. So no time to talk about that movie, but you and I still need to kind of have a conversation about it. It was, first of all, short. This I'm not, I know you just said no time to talk about it. An hour that. and 26 minutes. Uh, and- Intense, yes, and very much about marriage. Not very and funny, but I, I, I think I like it. Uncomfortable, but I, funny, very much so. But Will Ferrell's not doing his like Will no, Ferrell thing. Don't go there looking for him for Frank the Tank to show up. And and Julia Louis Dreyfus is is excellent. Mm-hmm. I, what I said after the movie is, I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but man, she's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I'm not sure what grade I'd give it. It's not great, but it's not bad. Right. I don't know. B minus C plus? Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Number seven. seven. I see how you how much you fear solitude, but trust me, this is your medicine. Also, I have a secret for you. You're not alone. It's actually not even possible to be alone. I'm always here. So what's interesting about all these is I can read that sentence and have three awarenesses. You could have, read that sentence and then have three very different awarenesses. Very much so. So the first thing I think of, I see how much you fear solitude, but trust me, this is your medicine. I am terrified of solitude. Right. I And quick history lesson of Todd Adams, I had the opportunity to live by myself in college, and I'm like, no, why would I want to do that? Which And that was something most guys wanted. They wanted that the space. privacy yeah. in a fraternity house. I'm like, no, I want I want guys around me. And, um, and then I remember like 10 years ago, I'm like, I'm so terrified of solitude, I need to go camping by myself. So I drove up to one of those campgrounds up in Wisconsin, and... Uh, I didn't listen to sports radio on the mm. way up. Like it was quiet, mm-hmm. terribly uncomfortable for me. There was a moment where I thought a raccoon was going to kill me. They're really rough, those raccoons. <laughs> Maybe it was a bear. I don't know. I was in my tent and I didn't put my food back in the car. I yeah. just put it in the cooler. Well, these animals Are know smart. how to get into coolers. Um, and I haven't gone camping since. Well, a, but you did go. I did go. But I don't know. It's just, it's, it's something that I'm more, I'm still understanding. Solitude. Still, that's a better way to say it. I'm still understanding it. <laughs> because I don't feel like I'm wired where I need the solitude. Whereas I think you are more wired where you, you like it more. And I don't. And that's okay. If I'm going on a vacation, some, you know, some people like you're in Galena by yourself. Yeah. Doesn't appeal to me at all. Right. And can do you need to transform? Do you have to change that? Um, I feel like there's some gold on the other side maybe but maybe not but maybe not i mean and that's what she's trying to say in number two or three is like why do you think you're so bad why do you think you need to be different why do you think you need to be like me because i'm not going to be like you right i mean i guess and my point is is i think i have a little more acceptance about that i don't want to be around people all the time like that was one thing in the movie downhill we'll just talk about that because this relates to it is because there's this point where they're kind of in an argument in their marriage and Will Ferrell keeps like inviting people to dinner with That's them me. and stuff. And I am I am 
her yeah. where the you know his wife there's Julie some similarities Jarvis, between those. where she's like i don't want people i don't know at dinner because then we're small talking the mm. whole time and it's so inauthentic and i just want to relax like i don't want to have to like entertain that word entertain mm. you know why because i'm a mother and i'm doing that all the time anyway meaning i'm having those kind of conversations with my kids and mm. i'm i'm talking to their friends and and i and i adore it and it's part of my life but i don't then want to go out to dinner with random adults and do that whole small talky thing again right like it's i want to go out to dinner and be like let down so how and this what's interesting you and I, I judge, have, has a really healthy, strong marriage. Yes. And I come at it from a completely different place than you. And, yeah. and we somehow we find that middle ground Absolutely. where we're both being filled up. Exactly. Because, because when we go out, I am all jacked up <laughs> and I have all this energy. When you get home from one of those uncomfortable, entertaining, small talky things, Ugh. you're drained. Most of the time. Most yes. of the time. Yes. Most of the time. Most of the time. And and that doesn't mean I didn't have a good time. Right. It means I'm done. Right. You're done. And you are not yeah. always. But then sometimes you are. Yeah. You've come home before. But, and that's the thing is I think one thing that we're having a conversation about regarding you is that Maybe you don't need to change a thing, but you need to question the way about you, how you respond and react to the way you do things. Yep. Meaning maybe you should just let it, maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you shouldn't judge yourself so yep. much. And For you're sure. just used to it because that's part of being a three on yes. the Enneagram two, which is ambition and yep. more and yep. learning. So three more. Uh, three more. Go ahead. Eight. If it helps, sweetheart, you can't possibly do anything wrong, by which I mean you can't possibly do anything that will lose me. Mm. Love, God, spirit, um, awareness, <clears throat> universe, whatever you want to call it, whatever word resonates for you is never leaving you. Mm. It's the, um, you know, no matter what, you're never alone. Yeah. And if you need imagery to remind you of that, like I have a lot of imagery of who's with me all the time, no matter where I am, like before I walk out a state on a stage and present, there's a whole group of people that are with me. Mm. Um, some of them are imaginary people. Some of them are people who are passed over. Some of them are people who are still alive and I've never met, but they're all with me. Yeah. And, and you may say, well, that's not exactly what she's saying, but love is love. Yeah. And whatever form it comes to you, love doesn't care. Mm. Love is just love. And when you need it most, and again, I'm saying this, I'm teaching it as if I've got this all down. When I am judgmental of myself or when I have a headache or when I'm sick or when I have failed, I don't feel this way very right. easily. Yeah. Like I go into the spiral sure. and then have to pull myself out. Yeah. Um, and I think my the challenge is to just not spiral so much. Sure. Yeah. Minimize it or just don't be as harsh with yourself yeah right? just be less like i don't have to suffer so much you know so, um number nine number nine i'm right here i've always been right here i will always be right here and i've got nothing but time for you it's everywhere it's everywhere and it's always been love didn't just show up because we you know helped the homeless yesterday, right. we might be able to see it and feel it more clearly. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, you know, human beings, like, I'm not worthy of this love, or I'm not worthy of right. this. And what I always say is like, the fact that we're here on this earth breathing right now is a total miracle. I mean, you talk about the odds of you being created at all is 
miraculous. We actually figured that out for a sex talk. It was like one in 10 billion or something. Yeah. Like the odds of being born, like the, why we were, why we figured that out. I think that was for our 1440 talk is the bottom line is if you made it through that one in 10 billion, you deserve <laughs> all of the, lo- all that love there is. You've, you've already defined your worth. Like, but yet we get sidetracked and think that we need approval, control, things like that from the outside mm-hmm. when really it's an inside job. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in my heart center, I know that, right? which is rare. Quite honestly, most of the time I'm in my head and I'm lost in ego. Is that true? I'm right. really pushing back on you because you're such a loving person. You can get lost in your head. I think most, I mean, put it this way. How often do I think I'm present and and present for me is being aware of what's going around me without judgment well that's a that's a very buddhist buddha or jesus or yeah you know dalai lama it, that's, that's a challenge kind of what i mean like it's not easy it's not to easy. practice yeah. this like i don't know what the dalai lama does but i'm guessing he is more present than i am. well he meditates like four times a day and he starts his day with like an hour long mm. you know meditation yeah. so like the ability to get that grounded and then to finish your day that grounded he doesn't have to get up to do a podcast sweetie he doesn't he puts on his little visor you saw him at loyola university i did didn't you? How i was did it? it was wonderful it was beautiful mm. he was lovely presence and he was funny was he he, he laughed funny. a lot yeah um, that was a long time ago. When was that? Years ago. Um, okay. Should we do the last one? Number Finish 10, up here? you read it because my throat's, I'm losing it. Okay. Don't worry about how everyone else is doing it. There is no everyone else. And that's in quotes. There is only you and me. And my name is love. And so is yours. So let's sit quietly now and know this truth together. Mm. And that is... Um, you don't need to compare yourself. You don't need to compare and contrast. And this is, you know, what makes me so sad about this one. This is what we do to our kids all the time. I was having a conversation with one of my daughters about art and she's already, she loves art and she loves singing and she loves imagination. She's very much a right brainer. She has her left brain too, but her right brain is highly online. Mm -hmm. And, um, she's already figuring out, like, she's already saying things like, I really like art and I want to continue it, but I know I won't be able to because I'm not one of the best. She's all washed up, sweetie. She's 12. Exactly. And the thing is, is when she says I'm not one of the best, she doesn't really feel that inside yet, but it's being demonstrated through competitions at school. There are people who are considered the best artists because they're winning prizes or they have kind of this natural talent to the to the eye you know what i mean where we look and say wow that's like so professional whereas creativity is something that we all have and we all want to use it um and there's no like some people are creative some people aren't we all are and as i'm using Brene brown's quote here but unused creativity is not benign, meaning if you don't use your creativity, it metastasizes and it makes you sick. Mm. Like you have to allow that to come out or else those are the holes that you're trying to fill. Mm. You're, you've, you know, think of creativity is we are all unique and we all have something to share. There's a great Martha Graham quote, um, about that, that I'll look up because I can tell you have something to say. So I'll look it up as you have something to say. Um, well, it reminded me you know, you talked about unused creativity. Uh-huh. And for some reason, I thought about the movie The Bronx Tale with Robert De Niro, yeah, yeah. which is a really interesting movie. Um, and he talks about the worst, like the one phrase I remember from that movie is the worst thing in the world is wasted talent. Totally. And I feel like you can intertwine those two ideas, unused creativity, wasted talent. Correct. It's the same thing. And, and when someone says talent, people think, 
in comparison to others. Mm -hmm. It's not about others. It's what makes you feel alive. Mm -hmm. That is your talent. It's not about, did I do the best? Did I get the most recognition? Do I have the most likes? Am I the most famous? Is it, how do I feel when I'm doing it? And does it make me feel like myself? And the Martha Graham quote is, there is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and will always be lost. Who is that? Martha Graham. She was a, a dancer. Sweetie, I'll see your Martha Graham and trade you a Robert De Niro from a Bronx. All right, band. let's hear it. Do I have talent, Dad? Of course you have talent. You got all the talent in the world. Can I be a baseball player? You can be anything you want to be. Remember, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't do the right thing, then nothing happens. But when you do right, guess what? Good things happen. You hear me? You're right. Wasted talent. That was something my father would talk about all my life. Yeah, hey. Come on, let's hurry so we can... All right. And can I, I want to get deep about that for a second sure. because we have to take it to a deeper level. Can I be a baseball player? You can be anything you want to be. Now we start picturing him being in the major leagues, sure. right? And having it be a career. Sure. That could be, yeah. but that's not always what it means, everybody. Right. Like when our children say they love something, it doesn't mean that they are going to be famous because of it. It may mean this boy, and again, we know what happens in this movie in A Bronx Tale, but- and we know what happens to that actor we too. We sure do. Oh. Um, what's his name in that movie? Collegiano. Collegiano, yeah. Um, such a great name. So it just may mean that you get to play baseball your whole life and you get to make friends because of baseball. Yeah. And baseball will bring you closer to staying healthy mm. and it will help you be have fun and laugh. It doesn't necessarily mean your career, but what we do is we dump it. If we like, okay, let's talk about podcasting. Todd and I started nine years ago and there were barely any podcasts. Sure. No one was listening since then. Do you know how many parenting podcasts there are? Thousands and thousands and thousands. Everybody who has any foot in parenting is doing a podcast about it. People who know nothing about parenting are talking are doing podcasts. So there's no way for Todd and I to be the best, nor was that ever our goal. But we like it. Mm. And if you're listening, you're getting something from it. Mm. Now, does that mean we're always going to be number one and we're going to win at awards and we're going to be the best on every list? No. But that's not necessary for us to enjoy this process. And it's not necessary for you to get something out of it. So um, we talked about our daughter who was all of a sudden taking an interest in art. Yeah. This is very seductive. So listen up, everybody. My brain, I didn't say this out loud, but I'm like, let's get her in a class. Right. She's showing interest. And I learned this from you because I think one of our other daughters wanted to dance or yeah, something like wanted, that. She was dancing around the house. And I'm like, let's get her in a class. And what did you say to me? Maybe she just wants to dance. Yeah. Does she Does she have to always get, because you can so easily justify this, but if she wants to dance, she's got to learn from the best people and then you get better by learning from the best and blah, 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 blah. Maybe she just wants to dance. Maybe she just wants to draw. And we storytell. We actually talked about this with Heidi Stevens and John Duffy when they were on the podcast last week, which is a really good one. If you didn't listen to it, go back a week and listen to that podcast. Um, they're terrific. Um, but we were talking about how we storytell our lives. And there's a lot of people who would say things like, well, my daughter or my son, they do dance and they're in dance competitions and they travel all over the place and they're learning so much and they're becoming better. And that is true. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say For that's sure. not true. But 
there are other people who do dance another way who may get just as much out of dance as your child. Yeah. Your belief system that there is only one way is the problem. Yeah. It is a very small, um, it's like a it not expansive view of dance can help people in many different capacities. Your sister, every day on Instagram, dances in front of the camera and posts it. Yeah. And you know what that does? It's her mental wellness activity. Mm. She listens to Beastie Boys, all this music she loves. And she's not like, oh, I need 20 likes or I need 50. It's I'm doing this for me mm. and I'm showing you mm. how I take care of myself. Yeah. She's not in a dance class. Right. She's taken them before, but yeah. she just wants to dance. Yeah. And I don't look at her and say, well, she's not in competition. Yeah, it doesn't count. Right. She's not uh, Jennifer Lopez or mm. she's not. Who cares? Yeah. And they're, the people who are going to be those people are going to be those people. So I just need to counterbalance this. That doesn't mean you don't um, politely say, if you wanted to keep doing this. I'm sure. talking about our kids. Absolutely. You you open that door. But what the energy that I'm coming from, be like, Oh, you like art? Let's do an art class. Sure. Like, you don't do that. Sure. You say, do you have any interest in maybe learning from somebody else and see what they say? Well, you know what I said, because she was talking about it. <clears throat> I said, I know this year is already busy for you, but the art museum, is yeah. it called the museum? Art museum? Art. Elmhurst, Elmhurst Museum of Art, I think. I said, they actually do classes that are super interesting. So if you want to look through those. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, maybe in the summer. But then she can choose yeah. that. She and knows it's there. Exactly. Just make sure that it's on their radar. Exactly. And then let them walk through that door. Exactly. And what we do is we make sure we get her there and make, you know, like we still play a role. It's not that we stand back so far that we say, sign yourself up yeah. and you pay for yourself. No, we'll support that. But it's not essential. Yeah. And so Liz Gilbert, thank you for your continuing wisdom. She ends with this beautiful picture and it's just a heart and in it, it says, I'm right here. And I think what she's trying to say is love is around you always. It doesn't just come when you're think you're being good or perfect. It's you have it all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's a practice of remembering. So if you don't, fully know this or integrate it it's a lifelong practice mm. should we close with this song yes um quick shout out for jeremy craft he's a bald-headed beauty i'm gonna pause it uh painting and remodeling throughout the chicagoland area 630-956-1800 he will be at the conference and you can ask his permission to feel his feel his bald head or don't and just shake his hand and say thank you for doing what you do i like feeling his bald head but yes you should ask permission because not everybody that's his head yeah do you want people rubbing your head for good luck okay all right <laughs> Uh, see you guys next week. Have a great week. Zen Talk Wednesday. Almost famous. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Are you listening to this in your earphones, how this sounds? It's great. It's weird. One side is the words, and the other side is the violins. Yeah. Right. It's so cool. Then they just merged it. Is this George? I don't know. Or is it John? Oh, this is John. John. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing Podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. 
Do you want more Zen parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking. Mm-hmm.